Hello and welcome back to ESPN Scrum Reset for another week. Uh, the first weekend of the Rugby Championship is in the books and there'll be some uh, weary-eyed Australians across the country and some pretty disappointed Wallabies fans, Christy Doran, to start with. Um, I don't think either of us drank the Kool-Aid uh, in the past, what are we, six months since Eddie's appointment, but you felt as though there might be at least some positivity from the first game of the year. There really wasn't. Uh, 43-12 in Pretoria. The, that run, that losing run now extends to 8-0 uh, against the Springboks at Loftus. Um, it was a pretty, a pretty bleak night for Australian rugby. Oh, wasn't it? It was, it was bleak. And the reality is it could have been much worse. Uh, neither of us, and, and I don't think anyone can disrespect, and no one ever thought this is a uh, a poor Springboks team. Everyone thought this is a good Springboks team, and it shows their incredible depth that they can leave out a dozen players, have a couple more guys injured, see a Khaleesi and Andre Pollard, World Cup winners, and still do an incredible job on the Wallabies. It showed you everything you need to know about the depth of South African rugby, but it also showed how much the Wallabies have got to improve. Yeah, they were missing half a dozen themselves and, and fine players too, but there was a golfing class uh, and execution and detail. And we've seen a, a Razi Erasmus, uh, Jacques Nim, the uh, coach side now for five, five and a half years. And we probably saw the difference between a world machine and one that is has just changed tracks. Yeah, nice way to put it, mate. Um, I certainly found it easy from a, uh, what we, what we do, you and I in the media, it was a kind of a reasonably simple game to uh, write a synopsis for, right? Um, uh, you for the roar and, and me for, uh, for ESPN, clearly um, 1am kickoff. Uh, I guess it wrapped somewhere around 3am and it was just, it was a flow for me. It was just, you know, after that, Marika Corombetti try um, after eight minutes, which was well taken um, off some pretty scrappy line-out ball. The quick shift, nice quick hands, particularly from Ikitao on the edge, getting to to Corombetti uh, out on the touchline who beat uh, Esterheisen in, in cover there. And you thought, hang on, this there might be a little something here. But, but that was literally it for the game until Carter Gordon scored after full time. From that ensuing kickoff, you see Nick White uh, gets taken, uh, held up in the tackle from the restart. Um, I, I think it was a penalty to Marnie Libok who looked really good as um, Johnny Goliath was telling us through the week, uh, clearly playing behind a pack that was going forward and a great platform to to work off. Um, but from then on, they, they just couldn't get anything going, could they? And, and full credit to the Springboks who, who just dominated through the middle of the paddock, the sheer size and power that they've got in their forwards and the depth, as you mentioned there, the guys that came in didn't miss a beat at all. Um, their back row was tremendous, their locks as well. Um, put the squeeze on at set piece. The Wallaby scrum was was really under the pump pretty much the entirety of the match. Uh, Alan Alatau penalised a couple of times and probably got away with a couple more, I thought. Um, it, it was just everywhere across the paddock, wasn't it? And, and Eddie Jones has admitted that. We got outplayed in, in every facet of the game, but it, it just, there was there was nothing. There was just no riposte to what the Springboks were, were throwing at them. Um, and the Wallabies, you know, they were asked to make a an absolute heap of tackles there in the first half. And that continued after the break, virtually double in, in both halves. And um, they just couldn't get a foothold in the game after that Corrin Betty try. 
Oh, look, they, the detail was missing, but they got absolutely slammed uh, at the at the collision, didn't they? And it was the word that Dave Rennie used to use so much, we've got to win the collision. Unfortunately, the Wallabies didn't win the collision. Uh, and you saw the Springboks target people like Michael Hooper uh, at first phase from lineouts multiple times. The, the open side flanker being bounced out of contact. It just allows for easy media yardage. And, and the Wallabies were scrambling all the time. But you saw Tom Hooper get uh, probably made to look worse than perhaps he is because there were no numbers outside him and he's covering multiple people. And yeah. there was one play in particular where he's tackling Andre Osterhausen and in the same play, literally the person outside him, he has to then quickly yep. try to, to bring down the, the, the blindside flanker as well. So there was no respite. Um, the the management, the defensive numbering up, the, 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 the Wallabies going in at the moor when you've got two or three extra guys going in at the moor and just exposing uh, and, and leaving your, your right winger completely isolated by himself. Uh, it was it was a very poor performance. And we, we'd harped on, and one of the most intriguing aspects leading into the test was Daniel Tupo, Angus Bell. Were they going to play? Are they going to play? No one thought they were going to play, yet then they get named uh, in, in the squad. And Angus Bell, the last minute inclusion on the plane. It, it, to me, I never thought that either were going to play, and that's how it played out. And yes, I think Eddie Jones is... Is, is was definitely hoping that you never know, maybe. But but at the same time, we saw how brutally exposed the underbelly of Australia's front row stocks are because at hooker is is, is probably it's a, it's a massive problem. Yeah, yeah. Hooker is the biggest issue, I think, basically in Australian rugby at the moment. And, and then underneath the top tier props, uh, you know, Zane Nonga got absolutely destroyed coming off the bench. Alan Alto was underdone and badly beaten up where he's pancaking virtually every scrum yep. against a very fine player in Stephen Kitsoff. Um, Slipper Gibbon, I think they tried to do their best, but but this was a, 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 a Wallaby side that was beaten, as you said, in every facet of the game. And, and it was reflected in the scoreline. And you think, Wow, what could have it been had the Springboks not decided to to stand a dozen already over? And that's the scary reality facing the Wallabies. Yeah, you've got to describe it as a regression from last year, haven't you? Now we know it's a it's an entirely new coaching team, not just Eddie Jones. There's some new personnel there um out in the paddock as well. A couple of curious selections, maybe Reese Hodge at number 12. I don't think we'll see a repeat of that this week in Sydney against the Pumas. But um it's just a lot of the same old stuff, right? Like if you're charged, Eddie Jones has got the job to come in and and make an impression on this team and and change some of the inherent problems that have existed um, even under Dave Rennie in the last few years. And you think about discipline. Now, I can kind of accept that they were just uh, not brought into making those penalties, but the pressure that the, the Springboks applied, you know, you're going to result, you're going to give away penalties when you're under the pump like that. I, I don't think anything were particularly bad, particularly stupid at times, um, which is probably, you know, a little better than last year. But I think around your word collisions, and it was also, you know, mentioned throughout in commentary and pregame and and everything else. And and early on, there was Will Skelton made a very, you know, basically picked up the ball next to the ruck and and 
was tackled and, and didn't make any yards at all. Dave Parecki was the first man there, and it was one of the weakest attempts at cleanouts I've seen. And and that's a long been a problem in in his game. And um, well, I, there's... yeah, Alan Alatar was the first man there. Parecki was second, and and was completely ineffective. You're right. Both of them missed him, and um, you know, hooker. There's each of those hookers has got you know a decent skill of the complete set that you need at, at hooker. And you'd say Parecki is the most accurate line out thrower, but his work around the paddock is, is, is subpar. He's not going to win you any, you know, collisions. He's not going to make you any yards with a ball in hand. You less he probably will, but he's just a horrible line out thrower. And we've known that for, for some time. I do wonder whether Matt Fessler might come into consideration next week, but um yeah, just going back to, to Eddie for a second, he, he made no excuses and, and you got to say, well, you know, that's appropriate given the circumstances. But his reaction um, at the post game, and maybe not everyone has, has seen it, um, was challenged by or asked a journalist whether he was now relieved that he hadn't faced uh, the Springboks team that had the likes of um, Damien Delonde and um, who, who else? See Khaleesi, Malcolm obviously. Marks. Uh, Malcolm Marks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Even Etzebeth. Cheslin, the list goes on. Um, so, and he said, well, I never said that. I never said it was, you know, um, we would have liked to have faced the best team possible. And, um, you know, referred to him, that particular journalist as a, as a smart ass. And is that just a little bit of the pressure telling on Eddie already? Do you think that, hang on, um, now that he's had a look at how this team performs against quality opposition? And and yeah, there's some guys out of that team, but sp- the Springboks are notoriously difficult to beat at home, no, no matter uh, who's lining up from 23 to 1, 1 to 23 rather. Um, but has is, is Eddie just got a bit of a wake-up call, perhaps around the size of the challenge now? And um, he's only got four more tests to get things right um, before the World Cup rolls around. Oh, none of it takes me by surprise. We know that that Eddie Jones is an antagonistic kind of person, isn't he? He he, he will challenge journalists, players. Uh, he's provocative. But I, I think he probably would re- maybe regret that incident. I don't think it paints him particularly well. Um, but I also think let's not make a mountain out of a molehill in a it, it's not the worst thing. I've seen many other uh, coaches say a lot, lot worse, including Michael Checker, and, and we know what he was like with the English media too. So, yeah, I think the pressure certainly was there to, to be shown and was on his face, but I like the fact that he didn't miss. He didn't shy. He didn't make excuses. He said we were beaten everywhere. Uh, and, you know, there wasn't really any positives, and, and nor was there. I think, you know, Marika did work hard. Carter Gordon had a great uh, involvement, albeit, you know, yes, a forward pass was it forward. There was one or two, perhaps even three, right to left passes, which perhaps floated forward or very flat. Um, the bounce of the ball didn't go the wall of his way, certainly. But, uh, you know, when you're missing targets with your line out throw, and you touched upon it, but I, I, there's one or two selections in that side and I found out about the team on Wednesday and I had a little while to digest about it and I knew that Reese Hodge was playing 12th by Tuesday and I thought, okay, clearly Samakarev is not 100% right yet. So you don't necessarily think that this is the team that's going to go to the World Cup or, or the starting 15, but but when you when you see guys like Jordan Walesi, who, frank, to be frank, he's probably had the worst year of any Australian or any hooker in Australian rugby 
I'm not sure how he gets a, a start or, or gets an opportunity to run on in the first test of the year at altitude against a Springboks team when he's never been able to hit his top line out and unfortunately has rarely ever finished games because of injuries for uh, a myriad of reasons. Uh, and then, of course, Suli Asi Unavalu. We know that, yes, there's, there's, a, there's an affinity towards rugby league and there's a desire to see this guy, what this guy's signaling could be, but we've never seen it. We've never seen it in three years of him coming across to rugby union. And that's a huge, huge risk to throw him out the first test of the year when you want to make a statement, when you want to roll up your sleeves, when you want to capture the, um, the hearts and the minds and build on the momentum and the spirit that's already being shown from uh, the team and the, and the different psychology and the mindset and, and, and how the team is feeling, because you could see that they're, They've spoken a slightly different way this year than they have in the last couple under Eddie Jones. Hard to roll back some of the what's happened over the last 24 hours. That was a there will be some scars taken out of that. I imagine there'll be a few players that won't be taking on Argentina that might well have had they impressed. Uh, it's a long trip back, and I imagine that Eddie Jones, if he, yeah, uh, you know, he's never shied away from making a big decision. Or you know, this is there's players now that should be fretting this trip back from the Indian Ocean. Well, I'll put one big decision to you then, Christy. Um, Michael Hooper, you mentioned him earlier. Um, I think there's been concerns about not his durability, but his, I guess, um, what's the word? If is he robust enough for Test rugby these days? And um, on the strength of last night against bigger teams, you've got to think that that is not the case. Um, and whether it might be time to look towards a, a Pete Samo at seven with a big number six and a big number eight. Now, Pete Samo is not going to get you uh, on the ball. And Michael Hooper did win one first half turnover that resulted in a penalty. But beyond that, it was a pretty tough night for the Wallabies co-captain. And I, I just wonder against these bigger teams at the World Cup later in the year, um, particularly that play in a similar fashion to the Springboks, so your, your France and, and your Ireland, whether that might be the way to go because he just, he, as you mentioned, he, he was bounced off multiple times. Um, it just, it's not the Michael Hooper we've known for the majority of his career, right? Yeah, and four years ago, Fabian Galti comes in as the French coach and what does he do? He makes some big, tough decisions, gets rid of, puts the broom through a lot of players goes, you know what, we're not, yeah, we're going to go to the World Cup in Japan and hope for our best result, put our best foot forward. They probably should have made the semifinals. Yep. But they clearly were targeting the Home World Cup in 2023 and they had a lot of quality young youth coming through the system. Eddie Jones should be seriously considering doing the same thing. And there's no way that you can take Pete Samu, Fraser McWright, Michael Hooper to the World Cup in a squad of 33 you just can't do it there's two light um those three names they probably all might be bounced away in contact when you've got a nester housing running at them um but i i've been saying it for weeks i think michael hooper's that five percent that made him unbelievable as a player and made him run around and clean up at, at other teammates mistakes yet still somehow have the leg drive to power through contact, bring opposition players down and often drive them onto their backs. 
He's not been able to do that all year. And that's the long and the short of it. He's not been able to do it in super rugby. So why we're expecting him to do what perhaps Marnotto or Dan Carter did in 2015 yet uh, have amazing test campaigns despite not always being at the best in super rugby. I think we've seen enough evidence to suggest that Michael Hooper's best days in the number seven jersey uh, are gone. And Eddie wants to play less without the ball. We know that, don't you? He, he feels like possession rugby is is outdated at this particular cycle in the game and probably has been, I guess, um, from the world, last World Cup, although you know it was slightly potentially more of a, a power game with ball in hand, a little bit more skewed that way at that point in time. But the trend now is that if you kick well and you kick smart, and in fairness, I think actually the Wallabies kicked pretty well for probably the first 15 minutes. There was a nice Nick White grubber from the back of the scrum that... Um, uh, rolled into touch about five metres out from the line. Uh, the Gary Owens with mixed success, but the one that uh, Moody, I think it was, spilled. If Nick White shifts that quickly to the left, um, I think that's about a four on two out there with two big spring box forwards who are backtracking, right? I, that was a blown opportunity for mine. And and, and Nick White will no, get, no doubt regret that when he sees it on the on the video, probably on the, on the plane home. And um, But beyond that, um, the second half, Quaid's kick, there was neither here nor there. He didn't boot it into touch or he didn't kick it down the middle of the field to find a bit of space. It was kind of a pop gun kind of kick that had there been a chase and had, you know, there'd been a springbok nowhere near it, it might've been, you know, a worthwhile move, but um, it, it just achieved nothing. And the springboks brought it back down and I think might've kicked into touch or, and got a, about a 30 meter ter- territorial game from that. Uh, Len Ikatow with that cultured left boot of his was off. Um, again, I think it was turnover ball and, um, he boots it, you know, straight out on the full um, with with acres of space. So just little moments like that hurt. And just to bring it back to Hooper again at the moment, if you are going to play less without the ball, then you're kind of taking away Michael Hooper's strengths as well, aren't you? Those the ability to explode off the mark into those gaps that perhaps his smaller frame allows him to squeeze through at times. And uh, I mean, he's not the guy that's going to make you 15 dominant tackles in a game, is he? So if that's the way that Eddie wants to play it, then surely there's, there's got to be question marks over um, the makeup, at least the makeup of that back row moving forward. It might not just be Michael Hooper alone, but um, I, I think we know Rob Valentini is the Wallabies eight, but beyond that, it's it's very much up in the air moving forward. Um, I, I guess, mate, if we, if we shift it forward then, um, what kind of changes do you think we might see this week? Will it be wholesale? Will there be tweaks here and there? We think it's only Tom Hooper really who picked up an injury from the match, I think, with a, a shoulder. Um, and, and would you be tempted, we spoke about this maybe one or two pods ago, that this looked as the game. If you were going to give Carter Gordon a start at number 10, this was probably the one you'd do so. Well, if you, if you heard the wording from Eddie Jones post-match, he clearly name-dropped Carter Gordon by a player of the future. Lovely involvement for that try. That's, that's good heads up rugby, putting it on the toe. Marika Corabetti, numbers, uh, and you're backing up on the inside. It was great. Marika just followed him the whole way through it. I love that for Marika. And it shows every bit about why Marika Corabetti is such a great player. Um, nor was he faultless, by the way, throughout the night. Um, a less than memorable moment at the base of Iraq where he uh, was was saying, oh, Nick, what? this is on me. And he, he found Alan Alatella's toes. Look, 
Bonavalo is obviously in a bit of trouble. Whether or not Eddie goes, you know what, I've, I think this guy can be world-class. I'm going to persist with him. Uh, if you've said that, you probably should back him. But but I, I imagine Mark Nwang and Idawasi, uh comes in. Um, Andrew Calloway was close to playing for Randwick, I believe, on the weekend, but was withdrawn on Thursday. Um Jordan Bataille is not going to be right. He's not going to be right until uh, at least the first Bledisloe, from my understanding. He needs to get stronger in that wrist after surgery. Um, Hunter Paisami is still not in the squad, not going to be there. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a change at six. And maybe how does that affect with the line-out? I, I didn't think that Will Skelton being there affected the line-out too much because... No the troubles in the second half were with him off the field and Walisi just not hitting the mark. Um, and, and it probably didn't help, yeah, Tom Hooper going off after half an hour. He's obviously taller than Pete Sam who, who comes in. Um, but we're still at this issue where Taniela Tupa, Angus Bell haven't had any rugby and haven't played for, for six months, Angus Bell, and Taniela obviously hasn't played since last November and, and 20 minutes combined between the two of them. That means that the, the Wallabies front row stocks are, are really, really razor thin at the moment. Um, what they do at tight head, I don't think Zanongal is the answer there. And, and I, was, I think we were all surprised that yep. he was in the squad to begin with. Uh, but secondly, to be, be playing against the Springboks when you've never been to South Africa, blimey, good luck. Um, Alan Alatoa, you imagine, is going to be better for the run after being underdone going into that match. Uh, I would think Matty Fesler comes in for, for Walisi. Wouldn't be surprised if a Richie Arnold starts. I think Skelton's got to keep playing. He's still a bit too heavy at the moment. He's probably 10 kilos too heavy. Uh, and is there a change at seven? Does uh, Fraser McWright, having missed selection against South Africa, does he get an opportunity? Um, does a Ryan Lonigan come in for for someone either? Um Samu Karevi at 12, you would imagine. There, there's decisions to be made, but it's such a balancing act, isn't it, Sam? Because you've got to give some minutes and some opportunities to some people, but at the same time, you need you need momentum, you need combinations, you've got the All Blacks around the corner, and before you know it, you're on the plane to France. Time is of the essence, and every move now is paramount. Blimey, mate. As you just said, I haven't heard that word in a long time, but I enjoyed it. And I'm going to say it again there because um, it really rams home the um, the situation for Australia now, doesn't it? Um, you confront a Pumas team that uh, was well beaten 41-12 by the All Blacks and, and Mendoza and virtually blown off the paddock within 15 or 20 minutes, three quick tries, um, very, very nearly a charge down in after 30 seconds. And their own try, which could have um, made for a different story of the match. But, um, yeah, they, they're going to be wounded. They've got an equally tough travel schedule or probably even less time, I guess, to, to get out to Australia given um, their game was, was played a few hours later. Um, it's going to be a tough turnaround. They do enjoy playing at, at Combank Stadium. That's where they beat the All Blacks. They had a draw there with the Wallabies as well, if memory serves, I think, at the end of 2020 in, in a fairly forgettable evening, if I recall correctly but um yeah it's i mean the alarms aren't quite going off but you feel like if there's a repeat of that performance against the pumas team that has got 
you know, it, it can frustrate and we've seen that. And defensively, they when they get their act together, clearly that wasn't the case on the weekend. And they they target what we know is, an, you know, it's still a, a pretty poor attacking breakdown from the Wallabies that they can create some headaches for Australia. And if they do that next weekend, then, you know, this campaign is is could be in absolute tatters, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's amazing the similarities in the score lines. Uh, the big difference, yeah. of course, being... Australia is playing at altitude in Pretoria against the Springboks. Uh, Argentina didn't have to leave. They were hosting the All Blacks and they were just demolished. And that first half was an onslaught and and Argentina had one or two opportunities in the attacking zone. A couple of fumbles didn't take their chances, but their kicking game was dreadful. Their fringe defence was woeful and they gave away countless penalties. So it's pretty obvious where they need to address their issues. Um, it may possibly be the worst result for, for the Wallets. The fact that Michael Checker would have blasted them for what they just served up in front of a, a passionate Argentinian fan base. Uh, that was a poor result. Interestingly, Argentina is going to be going to Coogee. They're going to be training out at Coogee this week, which is generally speaking where Eddie Jones's backyard has been clearly Checker. Rendrick, former Rendrick players, uh, coached Rendrick, and now Eddie Jones as well. These will be based out of Manly, uh, training at Manly Oval, and and Argentina will be training out of at, at, at Kuchi. I think, from my understanding, if Eddie Jones wanted the Wallabies to be training and based out of Kuchi, they would have got it. But uh, you know, a couple of months ago, it was clear that that Jones's Wallabies were going to be moving a little bit more and I don't know if they necessarily had highlighted Kuji and, and therefore Michael Checker swooped on in there and, and has taken that but maybe that that's probably the first thing Michael Checker's ever got over Eddie Jones so hopefully it's not a trend going on into into the week but it's high stakes for these two and I yep. think it's it's Eddie Jones I think has a is it eight nil uh, no. rec- record I think it is um which starts, of course, with that 2016 clean sweep in, in Sydney. So until until Czechs uh, win, obviously at Twickenham last year with Argentina. Um, yes, flip flip yes. the script. So I think it might have got out to um, yeah yeah eight certainly eight. So it might be eight and one. Um, but uh, yeah, amazing that uh, when when Eddie was with with England, they were down at Coogee, weren't they? Uh, um, or certainly last year they were when uh, up against Dave Rennie. Um, but, um, yeah, you, the Pumas blown off the paddock. Um, I thought Rodrigo Bruni was about their best despite getting that yellow card. He, he opened them up yeah, the through the middle mm. a couple of times, had a really good game. Matera tried really hard. Um, but they, yeah, they, they offered very little in attack at times. Um, we've known they, they haven't got massive big ball runners in that back line. Um, and that's again, going to be a problem for them against the, the better teams, the creme de la creme at the world cup. Isn't it? Um, what did you make of Damian McKenzie at, at number ten? Um, it's it's a it's a nice headache to have this three into two, um, and clearly they can have you know probably these three guys in the match day twenty three together, um, McKenzie Bowden um, and Richie as they did on the weekend with with Damian starting and Bodie at fullback and Richie coming off the bench. Um, asked to describe uh, Damian's performance with um, Elliot Smith from uh, Radio NZ. Uh, Ian Foster just said one word, good, um, giving very little away there. You would think that Richie will come back in to face the Springboks there 
next week. Um, but there was a lot to like about the way he played, apart from uh, that early charge down, combined nicely with Bowden on a couple of occasions, certainly set um, uh, the likes of Richie, uh, Richie, Rico, Yuani up um, and, and found space for them out wide and a nice finish from Moni Narara as well in the second half. Bodie as well scored one. Um, it was a pretty impressive performance from Mackenzie, right? Oh, it was. You know, the only thing that probably wasn't impressive early on was his goal kicking where yep. he missed a couple early on where, where you thought, oh, hang on, this isn't quite right. But uh, when it's raining tries, it, it doesn't really matter. Uh, look, uh, I think it was slightly surprising that, that McKenzie got first crack, but maybe that's a good selection there. You know, Will Jordan's not playing um, that first match. We know that they uh, clearly went very, very deep into the into the season. Uh, the Crusaders, obviously, they win it. Uh, McKenzie didn't really play Test Rugby from, from memory last year. So no. it's an op- opportunity and, and you reward someone who's played well, but Richard Mullen is your 10. Uh, going forward uh, into the World Cup in a big match like this, so I fully expect he'll come straight back into it. What happens at 10, uh, sorry, at fullback, uh, if Will Jordan's not quite right with his concussions and head knocks and the rest of it, it's seem, seemingly quite complicated and, and hopefully he's okay. But uh, that's a bit more complicated, I think, because oh, I still don't know if Bowden Barrett's best position is at Back. I think he's amazing off the bench at fullback, but as a starting option there, when you've got Rico, uh, Richie Mwanga, I've, I've never quite thought they've combined perfectly. Um, they have at times in, in 2020 against a, a pretty young and inexperienced Wallabies team in Sydney. They were electric, but but there's some still selection headaches. Now, I don't think you can necessarily read all that much in to that match for the All Blacks and their World Cup chances. Argentina were miles off the pace. Uh, they've come from everywhere over the last couple of months to to form that former side. Uh, there's, you know, you'll see not only will Argentina just improve a bit over the coming weeks, so I imagine the Wallabies will too. And, and the cause that this once again shows the injustice of the World Cup draw I think they're a bit premature because let's be honest, um, some of the the matches and some of the standard of play in the Six Nations wasn't particularly that hot this year either. We, we know that England got hammered by 50 points by France as well, but are we saying that, um, you know, uh, and, then, and then a week later, they're, they're fronting up against Ireland and pushing them all the way. So I think at times you've just got to deliver and step up. There's still going to be some very competitive rugby on both sides of the pool. Um, but clearly New Zealand and South Africa were were brilliant out of the blocks. And we haven't even touched upon Lebok, the the playmaker for South Africa. He, he delivered a masterclass and starting debut. And, and if Carter Gordon gets given that opportunity, clearly Eddie Jones will be hoping that he can have a similar sort of effect on the game. Yeah, it was really, really good. Um, proving uh, that that potential that he showed, as John Goliath mentioned last week, was it was very much on the money. Um you just going back to the All Blacks for a second. We know that their back three have had a lot of problems under the high ball, right, in recent seasons. Um, you think back to that rugby championship here. I think it might have been George uh, Bridge and Sever Reese. That game against the box, was it in Townsville or maybe on the Gold Coast? Anyway, it was in Queensland somewhere. Um, they had all kinds of, of headaches 
uh, under the high ball. We know Bodie's had his issues around that. Um, he finished last year out with concussion because of, uh, um, I think it was a collision and, and had that nasty incident with, with Kurt Lee Aaron. So from the Springboks game in, um, in Joburg, I think it was last year as well. So yeah, they, 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 they'll know what's coming next week, right? Though you've got to think um, if it's Libok, if it's perhaps Damien Willemser comes in, there's going to be a fair bit of, uh, of aerial um, noise rain down on the likes of Amoni Narawa if he's there. Uh, Caleb Clark as well um, could be a change there. Also in their, their back three with Mark Talia, I think might be back in time. Um, so that's going to be a really, really intriguing contest at at Mount Smart Stadium, the home of the Warriors, of course, uh, before we get underway in Sydney between the Wallabies and and Pumas. And I, and I think you'll, you know, they, as we were talking about last week again, um, the value of the box being able to send this advance party. Um, they clearly uh, weren't made to pay for it by the Wallabies in Pretoria on the weekend. Those guys that are, you know, had a few couple of extra days to acclimatise in New Zealand will be better for that. They've got some big guns to come in, and and that's that's going to be a, an absolute rip snorter right at um, in South Auckland, I think it is. And uh, yeah, it'll be nice to see a full house somewhere for a rugby match. Seems uh, there's a lot of momentum behind the Warriors in New Zealand at the moment, and rugby not on the slide, but um, yeah, needing the the All Blacks to to really turn one on. And and there was you know a few better occasions in New Zealand than when the Springboks come to play. Oh, look, if you if you look at every test uh, of the last probably since 2018 when Razi Erasmus uh, arrived at the Springboks. The box have been unbelievable in New Zealand, unbelievable. And it's really, it's the only thing that's kept the rugby championship alive over the last few years has been that contest. So I'm hugely excited about the prospects of these two sides clashing, uh, clash of ideas, generally speaking. And that's been one of the really, intriguing things about this matchup too a, a, a real um you know the, the Springboks desire to not play without uh, to play without the ball particularly in their own half but then just be completely lethal and clinical with your opportunities as opposed to a New Zealand side that's had a desire to use it to play running elusive rugby but we know that kicking is so paramount in the modern game uh, the Wallabies weren't able to 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 play anywhere near and match the Springboks' kicking and kick chase uh, overnight. New Zealand will have to do that against South Africa. Otherwise, uh, the box will cement, I think, World Cup status, uh, favourite status, if they can go to New Zealand and, and take down the All Blacks at Mount Smart. It's going to be an absolute cracker. Can't wait for that one and, and can't wait for what will follow. It's going to be an interesting week for, for Eddie Jones and the Wallabies. Uh, I guess just before we put a bow on, on round one of the, the rugby championship, mate, what do you think that defeat will have done for, say, ticket sales this week? I think they've been tracking pretty poorly to, so far to date. Um, Combank, uh, they didn't play at last year from memory, so it's been a couple of years since they've, they've been there. Um, look, you'd hope they'd get... 20,000 for this game against the Pumas and um, whether Czech and, and Eddie are going to rev things up this week, potentially not because if they've got so much work to do out on the paddock, right, that perhaps selling the game from a marketing perspective isn't going to be at the forefront of their minds and it's not Czech's issue clearly anymore, is it? Um, but um, just in terms of walk-ups on the day to the to the neutral observer or the casual rugby fan, a, a 43-12 defeat 
um, and a fairly lackluster performance, clearly from the Wallabies to boot. Um, it's not going to encourage those people thinking about, you know, given the current climate as well, to part with, you know, anywhere from, I don't know what tickets are worth, probably 35 bucks through to 150 for the best out there. Um, it's not going to encourage those people to to want to take themselves to, to Parramatta on a potentially cool winter's night, right? I think you can probably put a, a few more dollars uh, behind that. Or I think they're even more expensive. Look, uh, I hope that rugby fans don't judge the Wallabies on that match alone. Look, going to South Africa at Pretoria, first match uh, with a, a new coach, a new idea, uh, and several key players missing was always going to be a very, very difficult thing. I think James Hall and, and Stephen Hoyles were correct in in saying that last night in their post-match analysis for Stan. That's really crucial to, to, to highlight. Look, you know, South Africa have been smashed by 50 points in the past and then bounced back against against the All Blacks too. So um, the, the Wallabies will be better for it. They'll be smarting. There'll be a lot on the line here. It's the only opportunity to watch the Wallabies in Sydney this year in New South Wales. Obviously, no tests in Queensland either before the blood is low. So... I imagine people will get behind it and and uh, you'd hope that at, at a minimum there's 18,000. But I, I'd like to see, you know, close to a, a sellout. Like it should be. There's some there's some great rugby, some great rugby talent, some big names that are still going to be playing. You think about the likes of the Quade Coopers and the and the Samu Karevis. And if a Karevi starts, that's a big injection. Um, there's going to be someone coming in at six. Uh, you know, there's Will Skelton's. There's some seriously good players out in the field about making sure that you identify the one or two things. And that's what Eddie Jones typically does best. What are the one to two things, three things that we have to do the most, the best to ensure that the performance from last Saturday doesn't carry into this Saturday? That's what he's known at being a master about identifying the few key areas. And that's going to be important for this Wallaby side going forward this week. And perhaps, you know, they might take a little bit of inspiration from their, their female colleagues, uh, the Wallaroos, who had a mighty 58-17 win over the USA uh, in the second round of the Pacific Four um, Nations uh, Cup, whatever it is, uh, tournaments. Um, just a fantastic bounce-back performance from them, considering they were belted by the Black Ferns, I think 50 nil um, uh, last week or, or, yeah, last Thursday. Um, on uh, on the Sunshine, or sorry, at Redcliffe there at KO Stadium. Um, this is a big result for that team, isn't it? Because they had uh, they could have dropped into that second division of that World 15, which I think it's the top three teams from the Pacific Four go through and join. Uh, must be France, England, and potentially Wales uh, in that elite group at the same time that the, the Rugby World Cup's on for the men later in the year. So to get that quality of fixtures later in the year, as opposed to dropping down and playing Fiji again, Japan again, South Africa women, we know they're not uh, the, the equivalent of their, their male counterparts at this point in time, but I think they're probably going to get better uh, as time goes on. Um, this the, this win can't be un- understated for the Wallaroos, right? Yeah, it's a great it's a great win, great bounce back. Arabella McKenzie, I think, had shifted to 10 and uh, clearly made a difference. But there was enough quality in that side to suggest that a result like this was uh, not you know, unrealistic. The, uh, the Blackburns is the world champions for a reason, a quality team, and, and the Wallaroos showed that last year on a couple of occasions uh, by pushing by pushing the Blackburns. So 
Um, great result, but also to start a tour like that is essential as well. Keep the momentum going. They'll be all waking up much, much better. They're not going to have to travel nearly as far, uh, having come from, from Australia to travel over to North America. So uh, a great result for uh, the, the women there, and, and you hope that they build back. Piper Duck will be coming back soon from injury as well. So th there's some things there that will certainly help their progression uh and 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 it's a great result it's and it's a really nice transition from you there as well brucey by the way oh a bit of experience for you never goes astray uh yeah eva kapani uh player of the match uh my student stuart rather a couple of tries um if you get the chance to to whack the stand sport mini on um i had it on this afternoon uh plenty of good running rugby from the girls and uh yeah well done to to Coach Jay Trigetting and uh, the the entire squad who are over there in, in Canada. And I think 8,000 fans for that doubleheader too. So um, we know women's, women's rugby is on the rise uh, in popularity. So um, get out if you're up that way. I'm not sure where next weekend is. Is it shift to the US next week somewhere? Or um, I might try and dig that out shortly. Um, before we wrap up, made a, a bit of news out of Queensland uh, as you had thrown up uh, sort of down to a short list of candidates and, and Les Kiss was very much near the top of that list. He's been confirmed um, as the Reds coach, um, a bloke who's, I guess, served a fairly long apprenticeship in, in various places around the world, was most immediately the previous coach of, uh, of London Irish, um, who we know went under recently joining Wasps and, and Worcester in that sad predicament. Um, that experience in the premiership is going to be really huge for him, right? Coming back to, to Ballymore next year. Um, there's a, a fair few issues that um, he'll have to get his head around, uh, not least of which is, is player recruitment and retention, as we've spoken about on multiple occasions. Um, but you like this appointment? Yeah, I, look, they had crudge meetings last last Wednesday at Ballymore and and it was, it was apparent to me that a a coaching appointment was was nigh was and was likely by the end of the week. As it turned out, yes, it was. Um, I don't think there's going to be an official announcement for a little while on on Les Kiss, but but it can be confirmed. Yes, that he's going to be taking over. And you're right to point out the experience that he has. He's a guy that spent time with the Springboks in the early 2000s, about five years or so with with New South Wales Waratahs, um, and I think the the Tars went to two finals during that time, uh, six years or so with Ireland before taking over at Ulster uh, as their director of rugby, and then he goes and coaches London Irish for four or five years, and and there's a number of Australians that he's coached there, like um, uh, a Rob Simmons, who of course has a, a a big connection with Queensland rugby, and I imagine that people like him or Nick Phipps, who has been experienced and uh, part of winning sides, not only from a super rugby perspective, but from a national perspective. I imagine that those sorts of voices would have been spoken to. Um, guys like James Horwell, Paul McLean were on the committee to help select and then clearly ratified by the board as well. So it's great from a Queensland perspective that, that they've got a coach in, in there now because... There, there was a lot of not necessarily uh, restless and anxious people that were looking to, to get out of Queensland rugby, but people want to know what's happening. They wanted confidence after a long tenure with Brad Thorne, which had mixed moments. 
so I think it's a really smart appointment, good to get it out of the way and onwards and upwards for Queensland rugby because they've got to be stronger. Moana Pacifica uh, announcing their coach tomorrow, which a bowl report seems to be Tana among us. So um, a, a big um, change in coaching over there. Uh, but... And Vern Cotter re- recently with the Blues too. So last yeah, week, lots, yeah, lots going on in the in the world of Super Rugby coaches, which is great because we need to shine more of a spotlight and keep the momentum going about Super Rugby, even though the season's done and dusted. For sure, for sure. And, um, yeah, I, I guess to, to finish off, mate, then this week, uh, I'm very weary. I know you will be too, uh, given this morning's proceedings. Um, what do you want to see from, you know, Australia then at, at Combank Stadium on, on Saturday night? Or, or who do you want to see perhaps? And and how do you see this game playing out against the Pumas? Oh, the, the tactics weren't wrong to kick the leather off the ball against South Africa. The Wallabies were never going to go over there and be able to beat the box, go through them, run around them. That was never going to be on the cards. But what you want is more accuracy, more accuracy in what you're doing. It's more detail around not having guys bite in at the mall and ensuring that the work rate's there, that everyone's marking up and that you've got the right guys on the on on, on the on either side of the ruck. The fact that I think there were six players. Uh, on the on the short side, on the blind side, leading up to the first try uh, against two Springboks players, clearly showed that the Wallabies weren't working hard enough, and that was inside the first 15 minutes of the game. So, you want guys that are going to play for you, they're going to work hard, and we didn't see that enough on the weekend. But I've got every confidence that they can um, that they can get back, uh, get firing, and. Look, does Cade Gordon start? He may well. Either way, I think you want momentum, and it's crucial that they win this match. Uh, it's 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 a must win, in my opinion. And if they don't get that, then I think you 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 follow the 2019 French path. It's a rebuilding mission, and you go. You know what? We could still potentially make a semi final, given the, the the generous World Cup draw that the Wallabies have been gifted. But you certainly start looking at a couple of guys that are going to be there at 27 uh, rather than blokes that are holding on. Yeah, I agree. I'd like to see Carter. Gordon, this week, uh, and, and whatever way it goes, I feel like it's going to be a real grind at Combank on, on Saturday night. Two teams that will just be trying to do everything they can to get that win. Um, so uh, anyway, we'll uh, we'll see each other out there, mate. Look forward to that. Probably see you during the week around the traps as well. Thanks again for your time. I know it's been a busy Sunday and, and go off and have a nice glass of red and a good night's sleep. Eh? Hey, cheers. Thanks. Always good to talk rugby, uh, particularly after a game of test, Woody. Thanks all. We'll talk to you after the Pumas game and uh, Sunday or Monday next week. Cheers.